0: Rhetoric during the campaign was, uh, you know, kind of sobering and discouraging. You know, taking us back to kind of Willie Horton uh, era politics. So encouraging to see the response, but more more broadly, our our body politic, both throughout our state and nationally, it's, it's sobering and discouraging um, that we are we are still uh, seeing what we saw during the campaign. So, well, you
1: used a, a very charged historical reference there. Willie Horton. Will you go a little deeper into that?
0: Sure. And I know you have an astute listenership, so that we'll, we'll call that 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 time period and the the, the ad there and how uh, really race was weaponized. Um, and and look, we have significant public safety issues uh, in Manhattan, in the state and nationally. Um, I know that. I'm living them. I raised my family here. As I said, I've been here all 49 of my years. Uh, but we've got to talk about them in a sober, fact driven way and about reality. Uh, and not, I mean, if you looked at uh, um, you know, those ads, which I tried to not watch, but they appear to be ubiquitous, uh, there were times where I was the only black face. So, uh, you're the DA. And um, one has to ask whether that was intentional, whether. Uh, what the no. message being sent was. Let's talk about the work we're doing in the office um, every day, you don't and want to not do just that. have you know wrote uh, tropes uh, from years gone by.
2: Believe this guy. I like this song, Guns and Roses. Brian Lehrer and um, Alvin Bragg. This is for Gabby Lopez. You could say it, Lewis. On yeah. yeah.
1: I know. I, was, I didn't want to interrupt you and kind of memorize names. That was Alvin Bragg. Yes.
2: Yeah. You believe this guy. I was the only black guy. You're the, you're the D.A. You're black. What are you talking about? Lee strange. Zeldin. I mean, you, you, you can't find a more decent human being. Maybe you hate his politics. I don't care. He's a decent human being, a war hero, a great guy. You're going to call his campaign and his rhetoric racist because you're a failure. But it's par for the course. This is what Democrats do. What they do, they go right to the race card. When they are failures at what they do, instead of taking a look at their own face in the mirror, if they're a black person, you're a racist. If you're critical of Maxine Waters or Kamala Harris or Alvin Bragg, you're a racist. Forget about how I feel. Let's go to the man that he actually attacked on that radio show last week, a man that just had a tremendous campaign running for governor, may very well be the next chair of the RNC, most importantly, a dear friend of mine, Lee Zeldin. Lee, good morning. How are you, pal?
1: You know, I'm doing all right. I'm listening to that clip. It's actually the first time that, that I'm hearing that audio. And uh, you know, the the problem is not related to the color of Alvin Bragg's skin. It has nothing at all to do that about that. But if you were to be digesting. The, the video, the stories about people getting pushed in front of an oncoming subway car, and, and some of what we see under our streets—not just what we see on our streets—you you wouldn't even be playing Paradise City; you'd be playing Welcome to the Chunkle down there. <laughs> That's great, very but nicely it done. To do with his skin color, <laughs> and and the problem is the dude comes into office January first of le- uh, of this year. And he issues a day one memo saying that all different laws he's not going to enforce across the board. Other laws he's going to treat as lesser offenses. We saw what happened with the Jose Alba case where where Alvin Bragg sends him into Rikers Island with an open stab wound, slaps him with a murder charge, does not charge the person who stabbed Jose Alba. And Jose Alba, just using him as an example, he came to New York to live the American dream. He decided after all this went down, he was going to, after decades, move back to the Dominican Republic because he feared for his safety here. So Alvin Bragg doesn't want to talk about that. Instead, he wants to just chalk this whole conversation up as this having anything at all to do with the color of his skin. It has nothing to do with that.
2: Of course not. I mean, look at the New York Post today. Why Bragg nicks 20-plus shoplift raps is a guy named Wilfredo. Ocasio, he's robbed, I swear, he's robbed 22 different Dwayne Reeds. He's still on the street today. And this murder case that Alvin Bragg ended up in court in just the other day, he's on audio uh, supporting this Tracy lady who claims that her husband ran into the knife. You can't make this up. Turns out, according to Joe Tacopino on here moments ago and the New York Post, he received a half a million, half a million dollar contribution from that group that was uh, supporting Tracy a couple of months ago. So he is not only a liar and calling you a racist is disgusting, but he's clearly as corrupt as the governor that defends him every day.
1: Yeah. And you know how this is going to actually even end up getting worse is that at the end of the campaign, the last you know sometimes they say with these campaigns, uh you know, I wonder what would have happened if the election was one week later. you know you and I were discussing last time around the line, it would have been interesting to see if the election was one week earlier, and in that last week uh Hokel had to rely on the working families party and some of these labor unions, but they were really trying hard to get out the vote, especially inside of uh, we saw in Manhattan and some parts of Brooklyn. Well, the Working Families Party is leading the efforts to pass cashless bail and these other pro-criminal laws. They uh, are, are at the tip of the spear of the defund the police movement. The Working Families Party is, in many respects, responsible for getting DAs like Alvin Bragg elected who refused to enforce all sorts of laws across the board. So what what happened over the course of this last week is a a I I would say the working families party became more powerful in this state. And Alvin Bragg, if he's going to get a free pass, you know, to be able to go on local media and not be asked probing questions by members of the media, who, by the way, they have to walk the streets. Those members of the media, they are riding the subways too, and if they want to go, listen, the campaign's over, you know, it, it's it's done. You want to move forward? You actually have Alvin Bragg there on the other line. How, how do you not ask him any tough questions yeah. about this? Yeah. Because this guy thinks, you know what? Wow, I got a free pass. The Working Families Party. They think that they're more powerful than they were before, and and we don't want to be told. It's just a perception. Look away. There's nothing to see here. They did that in the 1980s. That's exactly what Ed Koch was saying verbatim, and it wasn't until you get to the early 90s that people of all walks of life, Republicans, Democrats, independents. It didn't matter what your party affiliation was doesn't matter whether you consider yourself a, a liberal, a moderate, conservative, all New Yorkers decide to unite as New Yorkers to take back our streets and our subways. And that's, that's where this is heading. And Alvin Bragg, oh man, you know, he, listen, he, he's going to you know, live in, to fight another day because I would have been telling him on day one that he's being fired. But just because that's not happening on January 1st of 2023, that doesn't mean that you don't have a job to do. Because you forget about whether or not you have the ability to remain in the position, your oath, your duty as district attorney to keep the people safe. And by the way, it's not just how the people of Manhattan vote because what happens, so goes Manhattan, so goes a lot of the city, so goes a lot of the state. There are people who are deciding not to travel into the city because they don't feel safe here, and and if you're just going to ignore that and continue down this wrong path… Manhattan, New York City, this state, so goes. You could even say so goes this country. We should be lifting up, and there's no better way to do that than to ensure safety and security, especially when you're the district attorney.
2: I couldn't agree more. But with all that said, and you've nailed everything right on the money, you had not heard that before. That's true. You even told me that before the interview. Now that you heard it, knowing Alvin Bragg, knowing his policies, all these things said, are you still not shocked that he went down the racist route. Oh, I'm totally
1: not shocked. I, you know, by the way, it, it's not even just him. He was basically being fed this from the media. I mean, we saw it with uh, you know with Errol Lewis on New York One, and Another you know, he racist. was er- Errol was <laughs> saying Errol was saying that. My my criticism of Alvin Bragg refusing to enforce the law, his day one memo, Jose Alba case, and more—that it was because it, it, he he was suggesting that was because of the guy's skin color. Yep. And and by the way, I, I mean I just don't even. First off, I don't even look at people like that. That, that. I mean, I'm looking at him as the district attorney. What are his policies? Is he doing his job? That, that that's. The lens that I'm looking at down in Washington, D.C., I I co-chair, co-founded the Congressional Caucus of Black-Jewish Relations. And it's just like I'm about trying to improve the relationship between communities. But what they but what ended up getting fed to him, even by members of the media, was suggesting that that this was all due to his skin color. And it had nothing to do with it. of course not. So this wasn't you know am I surprised that he did it? No, but he'd rather be he'd rather be talking like that than having an ounce of accountability. but uh, you know we see congestion pricing coming into effect, and the MTA says that they need the money from congestion pricing. well if you were to enforce fare jumping, that's hundreds of millions of dollars right there. If you were to make the subway safer. Maybe you'd be able to get back the millions of people per day who aren't riding the MTA. There's money. I mean part of his day one memo is that he's not going to enforce fare jumping. It it ends up impacting not just safety but people's wallets and their personal decisions of whether or not they're going to stay here in this state and they're just leaving. And and this isn't like – You know, challenges in the early 90s where everyone united as New Yorkers with the spirit of New York to take back this city. They weren't going anywhere. Or after 9-11, everyone united as New Yorkers. The spirit of New Yorkers, they're going to take back this city. They're not going to be intimidated. They're not going anywhere. But what's happening now is that New York leads the entire country in population loss. And the people who are leaving aren't saying, oh, as soon as Alvin Bragg is gone, then I'm moving back. No, they're saying I'm done. Every single day, people are saying, I am done. I am leaving New York, and I am never coming back. So these, the damage that's being caused right now is permanent.
2: I agree. Uh, two minutes to go, Lee, the great uh, Lee Zeldin. You are a proud Jew. You don't hide that. You talk about your faith, your religion all the time. I am a proud Jew as well. I'm on record saying uh, I'm still supporting Donald Trump, but but I am really upset with him allowing Kanye West. I don't care about Fuentes, the other guy. Kanye's the face of anti-Semitism. He knew that. He knows who Kanye is. I don't care if Kanye wears a MAGA hat or not. I am really disappointed, and quite frankly, I found it to be despicable that Trump allowed him to sit there. Now, you're going to be the RNC chair and making excuses for Trump almost every day, so I'm not sure you want to criticize him. But as a proud Jew, how did you feel about what Donald Trump did last Saturday?
1: Well, listen, I mean, there's two parts to this. One is you mentioned Kanye. The other one you mentioned, Nick Fuentes. I, I didn't know this guy, Fuentes. I-, I think a lot of the people who are speaking about him, they didn't know who this guy was either. Now all of a sudden they're acting like they're an expert on whoever this guy Fuentes was. And I, I had to look him up just Probably just about everybody else had to do the same exact thing. And, um, you know, and And Trump says that he didn't know who the guy was. I have no reason to believe that he did. And I'll tell you, as somebody who has been to dinner with President Trump, I've brought people where he didn't know who I was bringing. No, no, I,
2: I believe that. No, I, 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 I believe he didn't so know who Nick Fuentes was. Is. But he knows who Kanye West is, and Kanye's yeah, been right. the base so, of anti-Semitism for two months.
1: Yeah. So as far as Kanye goes, it's, it's, it's done. Like, like he is, this guy right now is on a downward spiral. He is bad news. I mean, he, he is, he is not bringing anything positive right now to the conversation or the table. I mean, he's causing pain to folks. I mean, he's dealing with some serious crap in his life. And I mean, I just, I think it's just a bad idea, especially if, you know, for anyone who's involved in politics in the public eye, you know, this isn't – I don't know if this was some type of a therapy session. That's not, not what I've That's not what i heard from what's been reported. The guy needs help. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, there's – I don't have to say about him. I mean, Kanye is just – he's very much going in the wrong direction. His views, uh, especially as he's weighing in um, on the Jewish community, are, are reprehensible, and I, I fear that we haven't heard the last – of Kanye, staying bad things yep. that you know folks are going to be complaining about. He's doing it to himself. I don't know what the heck's going on inside of his head right now, but he's not in a good place.
2: No, I agree. But uh, Donald Trump should not be his therapist. We're trying to win an election here, and uh, that's the last guy you want at your table. You are the first guy I want at my table, though, Lee. This was a great conversation. I'm glad you said what you said about Alvin Bragg because when I heard that audio, I was disgusted. I really was. Uh, you're a great man, a decent man and a great politician, a great father, a great husband, and a great friend. Thank you for coming on today, buddy. We'll talk again very soon.
1: Still can't get into Peter Luters,
2: though. (laughs) I have a feeling he can get in now, Lee. (laughs) We will do that one day together, I promise. There he is, folks, the great Lee Zeldin.